Bible, Luke 15, is where we're going today. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we're going to throw this scripture up on screen. Um, you came in, you got a bulletin inside of there's an outline, all the scriptures are on there. Um, one of the things we don't talk about a lot, um, another option is our app. Um, if you go to your um, app store, Google Play, or the whatever the terrorist Apple thing is called, I don't know, whatever store you go to, um, you can search Central Church of Carroll, um, and we have an app, and you can use that app during service. Um, you can watch all of our services there, not while we're doing this one, but they're, they're on there. Um, you can see them. Um, the outline is on there. You can actually fill in the blanks and email a copy of it to yourself so you have it always and forever um, and every time you want to look at it. But all the scriptures pop up on there um, as well. Um, if you don't have a Bible and you want a Bible, um, like you legit don't have a Bible at home, stop at our welcome desk on the way out. Um, we have um, New Living Translation study Bibles um, that we that we'll give you. Um, you just fill it out. If there's not some back there, because uh, everybody has taken them, just give us your name, and we'll make sure that we have one here for you um, next week. So Luke 15, that's where we're going today. We're in week number two of a series um, called Planks and Specs, and last week we talked about not being judgy, right? And, and we, we talked about we as Christians, as followers of Jesus, need to stop being so stinking judgy. And then we said, we finished it up by saying, hey, we can't allow those who don't know us to define us, that we've got to stop being people who allow the world to tell us who we are. And we live a certain way based on what the world says we are, who we should be. That Jesus, and only Jesus, gets to define us. Nobody else gets to define me. Nobody else gets to define you. All of us are created on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And we need to allow Jesus to tell us who we are so that a purpose can come alive. Um, today, we're going to start this message off as we've started off the past several weeks, um, getting us on common ground. And in order to do that, I have to ask you a question. How many of you love to travel? How many of you? Just loved it. That's pretty much all of us, right? I love, love, love to travel, especially if it's like a vacation trip, like a, like a fun trip, not a work trip. Um, I, don't, I don't mind work trips. Work trips are all right, but a fun trip. Um, how many of you, just curious, have ever traveled outside of the United States? All right, that's a lot of us. I've been out um, a few times. It's pretty cool. Um, one of the things I love to do is I love to go on cruises, uh, like a ship, not get in a car and drive cruise, not, not that. Um, cruise ship. Any other cruise people? Uh, I love cruises for a few reasons. Um, the main reason is the food. On a cruise, the food is amazing. It is like Endless food. I think that's what heaven's going to be like. Heaven, the Bible says heaven's going to have like a great banquet. I think that's a cruise ship. I remember the, the very first, I th- I'm pretty sure it was the first cruise I was on. It was probably like the third night. Um, we were sitting down, Mary and I were sitting to eat. And when you go on a cruise, you have to sit with other people, people you don't know when it's like the formal dinner time. And we're sitting there, and there was a guy who we had sat with for a couple nights, and he was a professional cruiser, and he had talked about all the cruises that he had been on and all of this stuff. And um, that night, he looked over at me, and he said, hey, man, what are you going to get to eat? And I said, I'm trying to decide between the chicken and the steak. He said, why don't you order both? I said, you could do that? He said, boy, you're on a cruise. You can do whatever you want. I was like, are you kidding me? I ordered four for the rest of that. Like, the four things. I just ordered four of everything. Like, like it was amazing. Like they, and, and I'm the guy now who, when we go on cruises, I tell other people that. 
boy, you're on a cruise. You can do whatever you want. Get all of the food. I love it. I love that everything is contained in one spot. Um, I love my phone doesn't work. I love that nobody can come get me. I love that I can't just on a whim go and have to be somewhere. I, I love cruises. I love vacation. Now, when I say vacation, let me clarify this. I mean, like, get away from everybody and everything, like just me and my family, just Mary and the kids, Chloe and Jared. Like, that's it. I have to clarify that because sometimes when I say vacation, some of you are like, oh yeah, I go on vacation. We get all my family together in a camper and there's like 27 of us with our aunts and uncles and all our cousins and we got this two-room camper and we had bonfires and it was so much fun. That's not vacation. That's a trip to hell. And if you take your cat along with you, it is for sure hell. I'm talking fun vacation. It's really fun to go somewhere and kind of see new things and kind of do new things, relax, whatever. But if I'm really honest with you, I enjoy coming back home. Don't, don't you? Now, now I, know, I, I know you're going to think that, and, and listen, I, I hate the process of coming back home, and I don't always want to come back home, but I like home. I, I really do. I like my bed. I, I do. Friday night, um, we went out of town for, for a wrestling tournament yesterday, and Friday night we stayed in a hotel, and I got back home last night at like 6.30, and I just laid in my bed, and I was like, ah, don't you? I mean, don't you just love your bed? Like, I, I like my shower. I like my routine. I like my stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so, so I like coming home. Here, here's where I'm going with this. Just like we... We all physically travel. All of us in this room, no matter who you are, no matter what you believe, no matter what's going on in your life, all of us are on a spiritual journey as well. Everybody's on a spiritual journey. And on this journey, you're in one of three places. There there are three places, one of three places all of us are at. The first place that you could be is walking towards God. Walking towards God, meaning you're not a Christian yet, but you're not completely opposed to Christianity. You're like, ah, there's some things about Jesus that I don't quite understand, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, I'm, I'm interested. I'm kind of kicking the tires, kind of checking this thing out. I, I want to know a little bit more. You're looking into the Bible, and there's some things in the Bible that confuse you, so you're like, ah, I'm just, I'm, I'm not really sure. By, by the way, um, let me just say this. I've been reading this thing for 23 years, and there's still some things in the Bible that confuse me. And so if you're waiting to understand everything in the Bible before you become a Christian, you ain't going to do it. So I'm just saying, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not, maybe it's not those things. Maybe, maybe you're interested, but, but you're watching other Christians. You know what I'm talking about? You're, you're watching how they live and, and and you're seeing kind of the stuff that they're doing or they're not doing or, or they're going and they're projecting this image of holiness, but they're really not holy. And you're just kind of like, I don't really know about that. And it's kind of caused you to question. But at the end of the day, ultimately, you wouldn't say that you're anti-God, you, you would say, you know, I'm kind of checking it out. I'm, I'm walking towards God. There are some people in this room, the second option is you're walking with God. There are those of us who are walking with God. Now, now when I say walking with God, that does not mean that anybody's perfect. None of us in this room is perfect. Like sometimes we tell people that when we're talking about other people. I know I'm not perfect, but which, which you know, you never had to inform the person of that because guess what? They know. They know you're not perfect. Like, like they just knew. None of us in this room are perfect. But there's some of us, we're walking with God, meaning that every day we're going to wake up, 
give it our best shot. Sometimes we do great, sometimes we screw up, sometimes we fall flat on our face, but we tell ourselves, you know what? I'm gonna get back up. I've got tomorrow, I've got another opportunity, and I'm gonna take my next step, and I'm gonna take my next step, and I'm gonna take my next step, and if I fall down, I'm gonna get back up. And so there are those of us in this room that we're actually walking with God. And then there are some on a journey where you're walking away from God. You're, you're, you're walking away. And, and, and you've got your reasons. And you've got your story. And I'm going to be really honest with you. If I were to give you the microphone and allow you to come up here and tell your story, nobody would be mad at you. In fact, we would all probably say, you know what? If we went through what you went through, we maybe probably might walk away too. And so today's message is really for the people that for whatever reason, and I'm not, I'm not here to judge, but for whatever, for whatever reason, you've chosen to walk away from God, or in your mind, you're beginning to think about steps away from God. And, and the message for us that aren't in that category of walking away from God is to remember the plank in our eye before we start casting judgments on others, okay? So l- let me say this before I really get into it. The good news is, is that no matter how far you have gone, no matter what you've done, you can always come back home. As a matter of fact, that's the message today. You can always come back home. No matter what you've done, you can always come back home. We're going to talk about that today. And listen, that's, that's not just, that's not for me. It's from a guy named Jesus. Jesus is, is telling this story in Luke 15, and, and the story has two parts. And normally, I don't, I don't do this. I don't, I don't preach this way. Um, but today is, is part one. Next week is part two. I had way too much to say today to put everything into one message, and so I broke it in and, and into two parts. And a little secret, part two of the story is a story that most people never, we hear, but we never really talk about, but I think it's the part that most of us really need to hear, all right? So Jesus begins to tell this story. He told a couple up at this point. He tells this, and, and if you're not from a church background, um, you, you've heard this story before. You've heard reference to this story before. It's called the prodigal son. In verse 11, it says this, Jesus continued, continued what? Telling stories. There was a man who had two sons. Now, we always talk about the prodigal son, but we never talk about the other son. And I'm telling you, next week, we're going to see that the other son is just as jacked up as the son we're going to talk about today. You don't want to miss next week. Some of you are like, I'll see what you're doing. You're just trying to get one on me, so I'll come back next week. Can't get nothing past you. Just can't. Like, Next week's going to be cool, especially because that's what's going to propel us into Easter the following week. The younger son, verse 12, the younger son said to the father, give me my share of the estate. Now, real quick, in Jewish society, when the dad died, kind of like today, the inheritance went to the kids. And and don't miss this, because again, this is huge for next week. The older son always got double what the other sons got. The older son always got a double portion. And so the younger son comes, he says, father, give. That's huge. Everybody say give. Give. Give me my share of the estate. The estate. Typically, you didn't get it once again until the dad died. And so the younger son, in this moment, is coming to the dad, and he's basically saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Let's pretend that you're dead. Hey, you know what? I'm sick and tired of dealing with you. Just give me my stuff, which you could tell in a situation like that, there's some tension in the relationship, right? There, there, there's some issues going on. So it goes on to say, so he divided his property between them. The father's like, okay, if, if, if that's what you really want, like if it's really gotten that bad between us, then, then fine. Then, then that's what you can get. And that goes on to say this in verse 13, not long after that, 
That's, that's huge. Not, not immediately, all right? Not immediately, but not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, which, by the way, the, all he had was what the father had given him. Don't, don't forget that. All he had and set off for a diff, distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. Now, one of the things that I think the church has done really well, almost too well, is we've judged and we've pointed at people and we've said, look what they're doing wrong. And look what they're doing wrong. And look what they're doing wrong. And look what they're doing. I can't believe that they're, isn't it easy? Isn't it easy to point out what other people are doing wrong? Come on now. Isn't that easy? Oh, you didn't do that right. You didn't do that right. You're not doing that right. I can't believe that they're doing that. But I think the question we've not asked is why? Why are they doing that like that? Why are they doing that thing? Why? Like, what is, what is going on? Like, not, not pointing out what they're doing wrong, but actually stopping and, and considering how to step in and help and asking the question of why? Why is this going on? And, and I was thinking about this the other day, about why would the youngest son walk away from the home? And, and, and it caused me to think, why do people walk away from God? And I wrote down three things, and if you want to write these down as well, you can. Um, three options as to why I think people walk away from God. Letter A is conflict. Conflict. Have you ever gotten in an argument with somebody? Anyone? One honest person in this place. Anybody, anybody else? Yes, on the way to church this morning, we got in an argument. Because the NCAA tournament is going on and everybody's brackets are busted, and you're welcome for me bringing that up already this morning. Um, I, I don't know if it's because of that or not, but I got into this argument the other day about basketball, and this is one of the one of the basketball arguments that I'm sick of having, right? People ask it all the time. People argue it all the time. I'm going to settle it right here, right now, in case you want to know where does Pastor Ryan land on this subject, I'm going to let you know. This is absolute gospel truth. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. All time. LeBron can't hold a candle to that dude. In fact, LeBron will never even be as good as Kobe. He, he just won't. See, nobody, nobody claps about that. This is LeBron last night, man. Last night. You remember when Kobe had a torn Achilles? You remember that? Last night, Spencer Lee Man, I don't know if you guys watch Iowa wrestling or not, but that dude wrestled with no ACLs. And he said, excuses are for wussies. Put that picture back up there. Put it back up. There you go. Excuses. <laughs> that question, <laughs> some of you are like, right now, man, you're arguing with me in your head, right? Because that causes conflict. People legit argue over this, and it shouldn't be an argument. It creates conflict. And maybe that, maybe that argument doesn't, doesn't resonate with you. Well, think about this. Have you ever been hanging out with somebody or a group of somebodies and you're kind of talking and then you argue with somebody and the next time you're around them, isn't it a little more tense? Or like, like, like you see them in the grocery store. Like have you ever, have, have you ever, like come on, you're in church and so you've got to be honest. Have you ever hidden from somebody in the grocery store? Have anybody ever do that? Like, like, like you're at Walmart and you see them and you're like, oh dang, there's that person. Oh, look at these. Pastor, those are feminine hygiene products. I know, but they're fascinating. They have wings. They're great. Conflict causes us to do some weird things, right? And maybe the younger son had some conflict with the father. Maybe, maybe, maybe the younger son has some conflict with the older brother. Here's what I know. Conflict will drive you away from the house of God. It, it really will. And, and some people in this room, 
You've got a conflict story when it comes to church. You, you got hurt, you got wounded, you got beat up. Hey, listen, I get it. If anybody understands a conflict story in the church and getting beat up, I'm with you, all right? I understand. But that's not a reason to stay away from home. It's just not. Because the church, every church, every church, this church is full of imperfect people. And imperfect people have an amazing track record of hurting other imperfect people, right? And so if you've got a bad church story, I get it. I understand. But that's not a reason to stay away from the Father. It's really not, because that's not his heart for us. And by the way, let me say this, and I'll move on. Um, This may offend you, and this might become your bad church hurt story, and you might not like it, but it has to be said. There are some people, you've got 22 stories about how churches have hurt you. And if you've got 22 stories about how the church has hurt you, you're the common denominator in the story. Maybe it's not them, maybe it's you. Just, Just need to throw that out there. I'm not judging I'm just saying. All right? Here we go. Number number two, letter B, confusion. Confusion. Maybe he walked away because he was confused, because confusion causes us to do some weird things, right? Like, for example, my dad. My, my dad, I love my dad. My dad is a, is a great man, but my dad could be an idiot. Um, my dad has, has a wild side, and he loves to do crazy things. And because he doesn't always have a great understanding of things, he does some confusing things. Perfect example, 1-4th of July. This is like mid-'80s. Um, my dad brought home the biggest box of fireworks that anyone in my family had ever seen. It was crazy. There were so many. Like, I think he had this plan to do this big neighborhood show and impress all the neighbors. I, I don't know. He just had all this stuff. The problem was he had this great big huge box of stuff, and he didn't know what three-quarters of the stuff even did. And I never will forget, he pulled out a Saturn missile battery pack. Look, just like this. He had never seen a Saturn missile battery pack. He had no idea what it did. I remember him saying, I don't know what this does. It says light the fuse. And so he lit the fuse. And when he lit the fuse, 300 of those little missiles just started shooting all over the place. It was absolutely crazy. Well, I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was running away and he kicked it over or if it just fell over on its own. But some of those little Saturn missile battery pack missiles like landed in the big box of fireworks, lit the thing on fire, and they all started going off. At that point, everybody is running for their lives. Grandma fell down. My sister, my sister's hair caught on fire. My dad is chasing her around the front yard. She's running around, and flame is shooting off her head. It's getting bigger because she's running faster. He can't catch her. It was amazing. It was the greatest grand finale in the history of fireworks grand finales. I ain't making any of that up. I swear to you that that happened. It was awesome. But it happened because he was confused. I think some family members walked away and never, ever, ever came back or talked to him again. Some people walk away from the house because they get confused. And maybe the son, maybe the younger son was confused about his relationship with the father. Maybe the younger son was confused about his relationship with the older brother. Maybe he was confused about the relationship between his dad and his brother. Maybe it was like so tight and he's like, I don't understand why you love him and you don't love me. Like, like we get confused over all kinds of things. It happens in the church. We get confused in the church because we hear ridiculous statements like people who love Jesus don't struggle with sin. Really? 
Really? People who love Jesus don't struggle with sin? Because when I read my Bible, it says David. David, King David. You, you, you know a guy who wrote a bunch of Psalms, like did all this like really cool stuff, slayed the giant like David, that David. It says David was a man after God's own heart when he wasn't in bed with Bathsheba. Right? And, and listen, I'm not saying that it's right. I'm, I'm just saying like, we're, we're going to struggle. In fact, I would say this. If you're not struggling with sin, you probably don't love Jesus. Because if you're not in love with Jesus, you can be like, hey, sin is okay with me. I'm going to sin and do it again. Woohoo! But in the church, I, I think sometimes we, we say things at times that, that seem really smart. But, but, but to some people, they're just really super confusing. And because of that, I think we get confused and we just walk away the third thing is hurt I alluded to this a little bit earlier but the third reason the younger son could have walked away is because he was hurt and sometimes we walk away from God because we legit get hurt you, you know what's interesting about this story I've been reading this for years and, and I did not notice it this week until I was putting this message together where's the mom have you ever wondered that like, the mom is never mentioned in this story. And I'm sort of wondering why. Why? Well, maybe. Maybe she walked out. You know, maybe there was some tension in the marriage, and she said, I've had enough. Maybe the brothers were fighting all the time, and maybe there was just, it was just too much. She just, she just I, I've had enough. She just walked out. We don't know. Maybe, maybe she died. If you're here and you've ever lost someone close to you, I don't care what Bible verse somebody tries to quote to you. I don't care what Christian phrase they say to you. In that moment, it hurts. And maybe until this day, it hurts. And, and, and that hurt causes you to just want to run away. Maybe you've lost a friend or a family member, and your thought is, God, how can you let this happen to me? Maybe you've had something happen that's horrible in your life, in your past, and your question has been, God, how? How can you let this happen to me? Why, God? Do you understand what I, what I do? Like, God, don't you know? Don't you know I can't handle? Like, God, why? And you know what? You didn't get the answer. I, I've never gotten an answer to quite a few things that have happened bad in my life. I'm, I'll talk about more about that in a, little, in a second. But when you're hurt, all the Christian cliches and phrases don't make it better. In fact, oftentimes, make it worse, right? There's some people in this room, you have legitimate hurt. And I wish there was a phrase that could take it away. I wish I could give you a Christian cliche to make all of your pain go away. I wish that I have a magic pastor wand that I could just wave and make everything better. But that stuff simply does not exist. And maybe, maybe that hurt, maybe that legit hurt that has happened in your life is what causes people to walk away from God. If that's you, I'm not pointing fingers at you. I'm here to say I understand. I get it. The younger son, he got it. And for whatever one of those reasons, he goes away. And the Bible says this in, in verse 14. It says, after he had spent everything, and don't, don't miss this, when we walk away from God, when you walk away from God, if you make a decision to walk away from God, eventually it will cost you everything. That, that's just true. If you walk away from God, eventually it will cost you everything. And I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking about physically, emotionally, spiritually. You'll just get spent. You will be left empty. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields 
to feed his pigs, which in Jewish culture and society, that was the bottom of the barrel. Like, this is where dude hit rock bottom. I don't know if you've ever been at rock bottom before, but that's what's happening in this story right now. Rock bottom. This was as low as you could possibly go. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. He couldn't even get food. He couldn't even get pig food. He couldn't even essentially get the leftover pig food. And so at first, everything is all good. He goes away, and he's got this wild living, rock and roll, drugs, women, whatever, all of this stuff, and it's all great, and it's all awesome. He's having all this fun. But eventually, it all came crashing down. And, and I bet all of us have been in or know of and can tell of situations like that. You, you know what I'm talking about? Where it was going really good for a little while, and then all of a sudden it came crashing down, and it was incredibly painful. I'm here to tell you, listen to me, if you walk away from God, everybody goes, as soon as you walk away from God, it's going to go bad for you. Uh Uh-uh, not right away, but in time. Eventually, you get empty, and in time, you wind up in a place that you never thought that you would be, and you start scratching your head going, how did I even get here? How did this happen? Listen to me, I'm not just preaching this right now. I, I understand this. About, um, like, I don't know, like four years ago, um, some of you know this, and I'm not going to tell you the whole story, um, but Mary and I uh, went through a really, really um, bad marriage situation, and it was crazy, because I thought everything was great. Like, I was preaching on marriage, we were doing these marriage series, things were great, I was doing all this counseling, marriages were getting healed, people were asking us for marriage advice, I was being asked and making plans to go do these marriage retreats and and speak at marriage seminars, and in one night, in one moment, it all came crashing down and I nearly lost everything. How did that happen? How did that happen? Well, it happens gradually happens over time and it can happen to anybody and so when I say there is no judgment listen to me there is no judgment I understand I understand and I get it that there are people here going how in the world did I get to this place how in the world did this happen how did I even get here what 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 do I need to do next well this next verse is huge in answering that because there's a key that ties all this together look at this verse 17 when he came to his senses. Stop. He's in the pig pen. Dude wants to eat pig food, and the Bible says he came to his senses. Now, I I just want to make an observation. Was he by himself when he came to his senses? Yes or no? This is not a trick question, easy question. Yes or no? Yes. This was something he had to realize on on his own. Nobody was outside of the pig pen saying, how does it feel now that you've walked away from God? Ha, 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 pig boy. Nobody was standing outside of the pig pen hurling Bible verses at him. Nobody was standing outside of the pig pen nagging him. Listen, nobody has ever nagged somebody to come back home. Nobody has ever judged somebody so much that they want to come back home. If somebody is walking away from God, the best thing that we can do is pray that they will come to their senses. Pray. If they're walking away, the best thing we can do is pray that they will come to their senses and try and instead of trying trying to judge them into seeing things the way we see things, we pray that they will come to their senses. Does that make sense? Because see, at the end of the day, this dude had hit rock bottom. And the Bible says he came to his senses. 
That's key. Him coming to his senses is key to everything. That is why, uh, uh, let, let me explain this. People, people call me all the time, and, and, and they say things like, my, you know, my, my brother or my sister or my son or my daughter or my mom, my dad is, is an addict. Will you talk to them? Why do you want me to talk to them? Because you understand it. And I, I always say, you know what? Me talking to them will not do them any good. You know why? Because if they're not willing to come to their senses, I will not pull them in. I will drive them away. People have to come to a realization. This is not where I want to be in life. I don't want to live this way anymore. They've got to come to that realization. They've got to come to their senses all by themselves. There's nothing that we can do to judge somebody into changing their mind, nagging somebody into changing their mind. They've got to come to their senses by themselves. You know what? That's what happened to me. I realized after sitting in a marriage counseling session, like I was the one getting the counseling, not, not doing the counseling. Um, I had made some bad decisions. I was actually walking away. Um, I was resorting back to some really bad, destructive um, pre-salvation behaviors. And, and I, remember, I remember saying, you know what, Ryan? You need to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You need to stop being a victim. You, 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 need to, you need to quit right now. You, you need to stop. You need to realize this isn't the ultimate destination for your life. Yes, you have fallen. Yes, you have fallen down on your face, but you don't have to stay in the pig pen anymore. You gotta come to your senses. You gotta get up and you gotta move forward. And, and, and listen to me. I say that to you because when you realize, when you come to your senses, then you'll realize God has more for me than this. I don't have to be a victim. I can realize that victims never walk in victory. I can walk in the victory that Jesus Christ has promised me if I will just get up and walk out of the pig pen and understand that God has greater plans for me than this and I don't have to live this way anymore. I don't have to be like this. That's, listen to me church, that's when stuff begins to happen. That's when purpose comes alive. It says he came to his senses and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here I am starving to death. That's a great question because he's like, man, the servants, the servants, the servants, my father's house have it better than this. And Jesus goes on to say in verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, this is all your fault, you big dummy. (laughs) Doesn't say that, does it? See, when he came to his senses, he owned his problem. He owned it because he realized victims don't walk in victory. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Do you know, think about this. Do you know how much pride he had to swallow in order to make this move? Do do, do you know? He had told his dad, Dad, you're dead to me. I don't want anything to do with you. Give me. Give, 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 give me everything that's mine. And now he's like, you know what? I'm going to go home, man. I'm going to tell my dad I was wrong. And then he said, don't don't miss this. He's going to go home. He's going to tell him, I don't don't feel qualified to be a son anymore. I don't feel qualified. Just make me a servant. In other words, he said, I know I can never have what I once had, but at least let me serve in the house. The next part, verse 20, is special to me, and I love this because this is my story in so many ways. But while he, look at this, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Do you know why the father saw him? 
because he was watching for him, because he was waiting for him to come back home. He knew at some point, at some time, he just trusted that his son was going to come back home. Because see, the son might have given up on the father, but the father never gave up on the son. You might have given up on God, but God has not given up on you. He still believes in you. He still has a plan for you. He still has a purpose for you. If you're not dead, God's not done. Amen? While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with judgment. That's not what the Bible says. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with condemnation. No, 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 no. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son. There's a reason he ran to his son, because according to Jewish law, the son should have been stoned to death, should have been killed for dishonoring the father. And so the father ran to the son so he could get his arms around the son. And by doing this, he was communicating to the world and everybody watching this, hey, any stone you want to throw at my son, I will take his punishment, which is exactly what our heavenly father does for every single one of us. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him, mess and all just as he was, in the exact condition that he was. This is mind-blowing. And, and, and I know what you think, because I've thought this for years. This is a great verse for other people. I don't think it applies to me. I mean, it makes sense, Ryan, that he would do that for, for his son. But I don't think God would ever do that for me. And listen to me. You are so wrong if you believe that. All the younger son, don't, don't miss this. All the younger son had to do was just walk back home. That's it. That's all he had to do. Just walk home. And as soon as he got there, as soon as he got there, he didn't have to change anything. He didn't clean anything up. He didn't have to do anything special. As soon as he got there, he was accepted by the Father. In fact, verse 21 says this. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And he starts into this speech, and the father interrupts him, won't even let him finish. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. In other words, you think you're a servant? No way. You are still my son. You are still my child. I still love you always and forever, no matter what. Don't miss this. He didn't have to step back into being a servant. He stepped back into being a child. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Why did they celebrate? Because the son came back home. And I want to tell everybody in this room, no one is too far gone that they cannot come home. No one. None of you is too far gone that you cannot come back home. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, what's been done to you or when it happened. You can come home. You can come home. No one is too far gone that they cannot come home. Now, I thought that was the end of this message, and we're going to roll into next week, and we're going to get ready for Easter. Um, until middle of this week, um, some stuff just didn't feel right. And, um, and I, like, there, there just has to be more. There has to be there's a part of this that was missing. And so I'm going to close with this story. And um, up until we recorded this on Friday and in the last service, um, I never told anybody this story before. Never, I've never talked about it. N nobody knew it. And at the end of this, don't feel bad for me. All right? I, am, I am not sharing this story for sympathy or for you to feel in any special way towards me. That's not the purpose of this story. 
The idea of no one is too far gone that they cannot come home isn't just an idea for me. It's not just a theory for me. It's seriously part of my journey. Again, some of you know um, what happened a few years ago with me and Mary. And I'm, I'm not going to go into tons of detail. I'm not going to talk about all of it. People have asked questions. I'm very willing to talk about it. Mary's very willing to talk about it. We've, we've, we, we use it to help people. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's that. What I don't talk about, though, ever, is how dark that time really got for me and how bad I really got. I mean, I stood up here with her, and we talked about it, and we confessed some things, and I confessed some incredible anger. Um, I confessed about getting drunk one night after years of sobriety. Um, but I never talked about rock bottom. Um, and at rock bottom, I had a coming home moment. And when I say rock bottom, I want you to listen to me. I had no idea how I was going to get out. I had no idea how I was going to go on. Um, I was in a dark place, and I felt like I was in a pit, and I couldn't see the top. I was embarrassed. I was hurt. I was humiliated. I, I didn't know how I could ever pastor or, or face people again. E everything I thought was true about me as an individual, as a man, as a father, as a husband was gone. And I felt alone. And in that moment, for the first time in my life, I had this over-consuming thought of there's nothing left to live for. There's no purpose for me to be alive. And so I made a plan. And I planned it out for days. I was going to come out here late at night. I was going to take a handful of sleeping pills, pull out in front of a semi, and end it all. And in my mind, it would look like a tragic accident. No one would ever know what really happened. Nobody would know what I did. Mary wouldn't know. Chloe and Jaira wouldn't know. Nobody in the church would know. Just a, it's an accident. And so for three days, um, I came out here, and I sat in my truck at the entrance of the church, and I timed it out. Every time a semi came by, what would be the perfect time to just launch out and how to get out and hit the brakes at the exact right moment? To where it would just be perfect and be quick and it would be instant. And when I thought I had that all figured out, um, I came out here and I got out of my truck and I, and I walked around the church. My plan was just, just to walk around one, one, one last time. I prayed that God would send the right person to, to lead you, to, to take on everything that, that I had worked for everything that we had built as a leadership team and all the great things that God had done, send the right person to continue that. But more importantly, I was begging God to take care of Chloe and Jaira because honestly, that's all I really cared about. Like I would just send somebody to take care of my kids and he would watch out for them and provide all their, their needs and that they would never really know what 
what happened and all, all of that stuff. And I got to this corner over here, just right on the other side of the window of my office. and I heard God speak to me more clearly than I have ever heard his voice in my entire life. And he said, I'm not finished with you yet. I am not finished with you yet. And I fell down on the ground. And in that moment, I had a coming home moment. In that moment, I came to my senses, and, and I decided, hey, you know what? I'm not going to follow through with this plan. I'm going to follow through with God's plans for me. And I know it's going to be messy. I know it's going to suck. I know it's going to be a journey. I know it's going to be embarrassing. I know it's going to be hard. But I am going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to fight like hell through this. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to make this right. You know, you know what? I'm, I'm not there yet. I'm still fighting through it, not, not with those types of thoughts or anything like that, but, but I'm understanding if God's not finished with me yet, if God hasn't given up on me, then I'm not going to give up on him. And what you need to understand is if God's not finished with you, you can't give up on him. He still has a plan for your life. He still has purpose for your life. And so I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been, how far you've walked away. The heart of the Father is here for you today. And listen, Again, no matter what, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, you can come back home today if you just simply come to your senses and just start walking towards the Father. He will meet you exactly how you are in the exact condition that you are in, and he will wrap his arms around you, and he will tell you, welcome home. Let's pray.